You're clocked out. We're locked in. You're listening to Crunch Time with Miguez and Mesh here on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Welcome in to a Monday edition of Crunch Time here on the game, Southwest Louisiana sports station, and your home for the LSU Tigers and the Houston Astros. Matt Miguez here, the game hotline is 337-706-0111. And here in Acadiana, you can check us out on our simulcast, Stadium 32.3 and Channel 133 on LUS Fiber, broadcasting live from the Evco Development Studios. Here in Upper Lafayette, Evco Development is a civil construction company specializing in new multifamily construction. The Louisiana Raging Cajuns now know their fate. They will head to Orlando, Florida to take on the fourth-ranked Tennessee Volunteers in an NCAA tournament contest that will tip off at 8.40 p.m. Central Time, which means 9.40 p.m. in Orlando. But the perks to that is that it's on a very nationally known three-letter network. Primetime CBS, baby. It's going to be great. LSU women's basketball also know their fate now in the NCAA tournament as they will host Hawaii on Friday inside the Pete Maravich Assembly Center uh, before hosting the winner of UNLV and Michigan on Sunday if they defeat Hawaii. Also, Will Wade formally introduced today as the new head coach of McNeese. We'll talk about that. We'll have audio for you tomorrow on tomorrow's shows. Uh, we also have Derek Carr audio from his introductory press conference over the weekend. We got a lot to get to today. Producer and co-host is Mr. James Mesh. James, good afternoon. Happy Monday to you. How are you? I'm doing all right, Matt. How about you? I'm doing well. I'm doing well. Uh, it is a it is a beautiful Monday. A little chilly outside. Yeah, that threw me off this but morning. But there's there's no complaints, no complaints from me. I am uh I am quite okay with that. But we we already knew coming into this week that this week was going to be busy. And now it's it's just getting busier and busier as time passes. I mean the the legal tampering period opens in the NFL and boom everybody signed a contract. It's usually how it goes. It is insane. Shy Tuttle gone. No longer a New Orleans Saint. He signs with Carolina. David Onyemata Gone. No longer a saint. He's now with the Falcons. Ugh. Took instantly. The, took, took the Tyler Davidson route. Instantly hate him. Instantly hate David Onyemata. Just like I instantly hate Ryan Nielsen. Not non-existent to me. Go away. Bye-bye. Um, let's see what else what else has happened. Javon Hargrave. Four years. million to go play for the Niners because the Niners needed more help on defense. Oh, Jimmy Garoppolo, now a Las Vegas Raider on a massive deal. What was it? Three years, 67 and a half million or something like that. Jesse Bates also going to the Falcons as well. They've also, the Falcons have also traded for Johnu Smith. Uh, The Falcons are making a lot of moves today. The Buccaneers just re-signed Jamel Dean, four years, 52 mil. Interesting. It's a good move for them. 
I thought I thought he was going to walk. I had seen a report last night saying that they might not bring him back, but they did. That's a that's a good move for them. Now here's the thing though with free agency early on tampering period, even in the first week, usually the Saints aren't very active. No, they're 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 not a big team to try and go get the biggest free agent. They're they really unless it's somebody that they absolutely need, like getting a quarterback out the way now. Even before the even before the free agency even started, they got their quarterback issue out the way. So usually they don't, but in this case they did because they needed a quarterback. Yeah, badly, very very badly did the Saints need a quarterback. Still curious to see if what Jameis will do, since he still has until Wednesday to be like, yeah, I'll Correct. sign that deal and become the backup. Otherwise, he'll become a free agent. Because he because he has that player deal right now he's probably that option testing the waters, talking to teams, seeing you know where the interest is, and then trying to to weigh out his options from there. Um, what I'm interested to see though is Jimmy Garoppolo outside of the Niners system, because when you look at it, he didn't really play a whole lot in New England. He, he mostly sat the bench for Tom Brady. He has spent the majority of his playing career, or basically all of his playing career, in San Francisco. That Niners system, that Kyle Shanahan system, is all he knows. So I'm interested to see, because you hear people say all the time, oh, Jimmy Garoppolo wouldn't be as good of a quarterback without the Niners system. Well, we're, we're about to find out. At least he's going back to one that he's familiar with since you know he started with Daniels and Sissel yep. in New England that's so true. he's going back to it with Vegas that's true I'm, I'm interested to see how, how that works out though because I, I still don't believe that Josh McDaniels is a good coach yeah I think I he's just, I think he's better as an OC I, I just I can't buy into it at least not yet I haven't been shown that he can do it Everywhere that he the the two times that he's been the head coach, he's failed. Now, granted, he did go to a team where it's like the last twenty years they haven't been very successful, right? So it's not like he did himself any favors going to a historically, yeah, back then, but over the last twenty thirty years, it hasn't been as great for the Raiders. Storyline of the day, though, Mike White going to South Beach. It's not really the story, the headline of the day, but is, what's interesting here, though, could they be planning to move on from Tua? Because you've already got Skylar Thompson. Now you bring in Mike White. I know they're both backups, mm-hmm. but are are you planning on maybe hoping one of these guys turns out to be a starter for you and you move on from Tua? No, I don't think that's their first plan. I think if Tua keeps getting injured with all these concussions and he continues down that path and would have to eventually go to an early retirement, then you would have to go in a different direction. But you've seen what Mike White has done in a one-two game stint. Like whenever it's like, hey, I'll come in for a game because Zach Wilson's injured or I came in because Zach Wilson got benched and Joe Flacco got injured. Like he's just there for a one two game replacement because you've seen what he can do. You've seen what he can do with with the Jets. What he had 
400 yards and three mm-hmm. touchdowns and won them a game. Now, what are the Jets going to do? <laughs> they they are all in and then some for Aaron Rodgers. Because they're not going for anybody else. All the chips on their side of the table is in the middle for Aaron Rodgers. Well, that's the thing. That's what's going to be so interesting. If he doesn't go to New York... It's a massive failure. You're, you're stuck with Zach Wilson. Yep. Oh, man. Oh, man. The Jets. Who you're, who you're still not sold is completely terrible. I'm not, re- I'm not ready to say it yet. I don't think he's good. But I'm not ready to say that he can't be good. Has he been good in his first year? No. No, he has not. No. <laughs> but do I think that there is still potential and upside in Zach Wilson? Yeah, I do. I do. Now, if he comes out in year three and craps the bed again, well, then, you know, maybe maybe we might just be trying to, to save a, a lost puppy. I don't know. But right now, I feel like just with the right amount of grooming and he could be a show dog is, is kind of is kind of where I'm sitting but uh looking at some more local top stories Cajuns baseball winning two out of three over the weekend against high point we will talk about that throughout today's show winning eight six on Friday falling five to one on Saturday and then winning six to five yesterday to close out the weekend man Kyle debarge Three homers on the weekend. Three of them. You want to talk about a coming out party? Debo was lethal this weekend. Uh, we will talk about that. We'll talk about softball going five and one for Louisiana with wins over McNeese, a pair of wins over Rutgers, a win over Mercer, and then a one nothing win against number 12 Florida. Huge win for Jerry Glasgow and company. We'll talk about that game and more. We'll also look at McNeese baseball and softball throughout today's show. Once again, the game hotline is 337-706-0111. Your poll question of the day, which is up on Facebook and Twitter. How many brackets are you filling out this year? Just one, two to three, four or more? None. So far, 40% of you say none. 25% say just one. 25% say two to three. And then the other 9% say four plus. James, how many brackets will you be filling out? I could see myself doing two, three, maybe four if like I'm getting in a groove. But I'm not one to go overboat and do like 20, 30, 40 different scenarios. Okay, so let's see. If you count my women's bracket that I have already filled out, mm-hmm. I have already filled out four. I've already done four. You're a freakazoid. I've got, in in the men's side, I've got Alabama winning a national championship. I've got Houston winning a national championship. On the women's side, I have South Carolina winning a national championship and then i have one where it's basically fairy tale dreamland that i have the louisiana Rage Cajuns overcoming all of the odds 
and winning a national championship. You got to. You got to. Because here's the thing. Here's the thing. You just got thumbs down from Moses. I saw. I saw. I don't appreciate it. But because hear, hear me out. Mm-hmm. I'm hearing. I'm listening. Say by some freaky stretch of the imagination. It's going to be freaky deaky. It's going to be like freaky Friday, I bet. The Cajuns win a national championship. Mm-hmm. I'd be one of 10 people that had a bracket with that pick. That group might be really big. No, I'm just playing. I feel like I'll, I feel like everybody that's a Cajuns fan, they would have at least one bracket where the Cajuns go all the way. You would be you would be in a very small number of people. Like a lot of people in the area, I am willing to bet, have made at least one bracket where the Louisiana Raging Cajuns win the whole tournament. I wouldn't be surprised if a couple of them made two of them, maybe even three, just based around the Cajuns winning the whole thing. I have this odd suspicion in my head mm-hmm. that the Cajuns could be a Sweet 16 team. Is it in the voices in, inside your head talking to you? All right, Randy Orton, settle down. Settle down. I think the Cajuns could be a Sweet 16 team. If things line up right for them, I think they could win a pair of games and make it to the Sweet 16. <laughs> that QB room in San Fran is so interesting. It's so it, it's it's so incredible. You saw what they just did? What no, what now? They just got Sam Darnold. <laughs> Sam Darnold, Trey Lance, Brock Purdy. Okay. Well we're we're gonna take a timeout because I we're we're gonna take a timeout here on Crunch Time. And when we return here <laughs> on this Monday, Scotty Scheffler talk all the time about how he plays his best golf in the spring. He did it again yesterday, winning the Players' Championship with a score of 17 under. We'll talk about that. We'll talk about NASCAR. Will he be winning back-to-back races? Plus, we have audio from Cajuns Baseball right here on The Game. This is Crunch Time on The Game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles. Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. It's crawfish time in the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles is giving you the chance to win everything you need for the ultimate crawfish boil. It's the game's ultimate crawfish boil giveaway cooked up by St. Landry Lumber, Cody's Crawfish and Iron Horse Sales and Service. Register in the Game Rewards Club at 1037thegame.com to score a $500 Visa gift card, a boiling pot, a burner, a paddle, ice chest, tumblers, and chairs with two giant sacks of live crawfish. Plus, we'll even throw in a pair of Astros tickets. Enter now for the Ultimate Crawfish Boil giveaway. Once again, cooked up by St. Landry Lumber, Cody's Crawfish, Iron Horse Sales and Service, and the game. Got something to say to Miguez and Mesh? Hell yeah! It's easy. Just call the hotline by dialing 337-706-0111. Now, back to more Crunch Time with Miguez and Mesh here on The Game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Welcome back to Crunch Time 420 here on your Monday. Matt Miguez, James Mesh. The game hotline is 337-706-0111. James, we talked in the first segment. Will Wade was introduced today as the head coach of McNeese basketball. And one thing stood out to me with with one of the answers that he gave. And and I want to get your thoughts on it. He said that McNeese would contend for the Southland 
immediately. How quick? So there's there's clearly a difference between contend and compete. Compete. How soon are they competing? Do you think it's immediately? I think so. It's because like there's obviously levels when it comes to college athletics. Each conference, there's obviously clear ones that are better than the others. The SEC is better than the Southlands. So having an SEC coach, coach in the Southland Conference, it's almost that's going to make the Southland players be so much better. It's almost not going to be fair. He's going to set them up so much better in the Southland. Like they're going to win the first year. McNeese, in my eyes. The Cowboys, they're you, going to win the Southland the first year. You think they're winning the conference in year one? I'm saying that, yeah. Huh. I mean, I, I don't necessarily disagree, but man. Because, like, it, if they don't, they're runner-up. You know what I mean? I don't I don't see McNeese in the first year of men's basketball with Will Wade, them going third, fourth, fifth in the conference. I can't see it. At worst, they're runner-up. What's going to be big for me with McNeese is can Will Wade have a conversation with Christian Shoemate and keep him in Lake Charles? Mm-hmm. If you can keep Christian Shoemate in Lake Charles and then add on to him, because Christian Shoemate's a damn good player. If you can add on to him... Because Will Wade's going to bring in some guys. Because Absolutely he will. That's going to be very fascinating to watch unfold. Because, like you said, Will Wade's going to bring in guys. Why? Because he's Will Wade. Name recognition is huge in today's sports world. People know who you are. They know what you've done. They're going to want to come play for you. Yeah, didn't Cliff Kingsbury get the Arizona job because he had one conversation or had mm-hmm. like lunch with Sean McVay? Mm-hmm. Yeah, that worked out real well. But... like just. Just knowing somebody will get you a job. And look, you know, I've heard some people say that, oh, well, you know, he's a cheater, blah, blah, blah. It's legal now. My thing with that is, A, it's legal now. Well, it's not legal for a coach to pay a player. Right, yeah. So that's still wrong. But, if, but the idea of paying players, like correct, you don't you don't have to worry about it. Correct. It would have to it would have to go through other means. It can't be just directly the coach paying them. But he got fired. He took his year out of coaching. Why not? Why not? Why can't he come back? There's nothing wrong with it. If Ole Miss is hiring Chris Beard, there's nothing wrong with McNeese hiring Will Wade. Am I wrong? No. There's nothing wrong with it. I, I don't think there's anything wrong with we've it. We've seen I think plenty. We we've seen a lot of people in the sports world where you you don't agree with what they did, and they still get a second chance. I think it was a huge move by by McNeese, and I think it's going to pay massive dividends even after Will Wade's gone. Mm-hmm. Even once he's no even, longer a even member. It, like. Let's say Will Wade leaves after his second year at McNeese. 
We're acting that does that doesn't make McNeese a more desirable place for the next head coach. Absolutely. And for other recruits to go play in Lake Charles. Absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, the Louisiana Raging Cajuns, we talked about them winning two out of three at home against High Point over the weekend, capping it off with yesterday's 6-5 to five win. Following the victory, head coach Matt Deggs gave his thoughts on the win and the weekend. Yeah, we needed that one for sure. Uh, felt like it kind of went the other way yesterday and uh, let that one get away from us. And, uh, you know, sometimes you got to catch some breaks in this game. And uh, we definitely caught one there. I remember in 14, we won a lot of games late just over plays like that. And so sometimes you got to have that. It's good to get a three out of four week, though, coming off the week before uh, against two solid teams. Mad Deggs also talked about in that 6-5 victory, they should have had eight. Yeah, scored six and should have had about eight, probably. Uh, came out loose, played our game today, and, uh, you know, probably could have had some more. Some guys got thrown out, and, and we had a couple of senseless uh, thrown outs. But uh, we were competitive at the dish. We got on top of the guys. We were able to take away some off-speed stuff at times. And then, uh, you know, we got rock going again, which is going to be huge. James, you worked the game yesterday. What were your, uh, what were your thoughts of the Cajuns? It was a solid win. Like you had mentioned, I mean, the offense, it just felt like it was smooth as it could be really early on in the game. And you really, Louisiana had it for, it never really felt like the game was in question, like, oh no, are they going to lose again? High point at a couple of times, they had opportunities and they made it a one-run game multiple different times throughout the game. But I was like, I, I can't see the Cajuns losing this game. I went to I went to go take a picture for my blog post about the game and and it, I I had taken a picture of Kyle DeBarge in the first inning. And I was like, "All right, cool." So as soon as I turn around, I'm like five steps going back up to the press box and all of a sudden I hear "bink." I'm like, "Oh no." And then I see the crowd get up. I'm like, "No, don't tell me I just missed the homer." And then I, I look back and I'm like, yeah, yeah, "It just went over." the LSU part of the left field wall. I'm like, awesome. Yep. There it is. One nothing already. Rocco and DeBarge, I really like both of them. I Because re- DeBarge, he's a little more of kind of like a little more flash, I could say. Very confident, but it's not like he's arrogant. I really like how he plays the game. And then Rocco's kind of like the same thing, almost like he's confident, but He's a lot more quiet. You don't hear or like see him do as much stuff. You know what I mean? Like he, he almost kind of he's almost like that. Put the hard hat on and goes straight to work. And like it feels like every time I watch or I go cover a game, he often has good games. But it feels like every time I've gone to go cover a Cages baseball game, he always has a good one. I mean, going four out of five on the day, and then stealing a couple bases, getting a couple of RBIs, and then scoring a couple times yourself. It was like they both had really good games. Carson is quietly having a pretty solid start to the season. He's not hitting as many home runs as as he did. No, but he's getting a lot of on-base opportunities. He's getting a lot of singles. He's getting on base a lot. He's driving in runs. He's already got 12 RBIs on the season, which is good for for third on the team. Uh, 327 batting average. He's got seven doubles already. He has stolen six out of ten bases. He's been walked 12 times count hit by pitch he's been walked 16 times and he struck out 11 so i mean it's a solid start to the year but man 
Can, can we can we talk about one Mr. Julian Brock? Julian Brock is influential for this baseball program. This team doesn't go without him. He's the he's the voice behind the by, behind the plate. He's one of the best defensive catchers in the country. And then the the question is, oh well, can the cat hit? 348 with six doubles, a homer, 14 ribbies, which leads the team a slugging percentage of 543 and an on-base percentage of 469. It's pretty good. It's pretty damn good. The 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 dude's fantastic. Mm-hmm. Him returning for this season when a lot of people didn't think that he would. A lot of people thought that he would get drafted and go pro. The fact that he came back was crucial for the success of this year's Cajuns baseball team in in more ways than one. Uh, He's a great leader. Like I said, he's a great defensive catcher. His offense is coming around, and once he gets his offense fully unlocked, it's going to be very, very hard to stop Julian Brock. Jay Walker, the longtime voice of the Cajuns, joins us next here on Crunch Time for Cajuns Corner. We'll get his thoughts on the weekend for baseball. Plus, we'll preview Louisiana versus Tennessee over in the happiest place on earth right here on the game. This is Crunch Time on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles. Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. This March, take your first shot at College Hoops with FanDuel Sportsbook and get 10 times your first bet amount in bonus bets up to $200. That's right. Just bet 20 bucks on the bracket and you'll land $200 in bonus bets, win or lose. That's 200 You can spend on betting from everything from the money line to point spreads to even that 5-12 to 12 matchup that I know you've been eyeing. All on an app that's safe, secure, and super easy to use. There's no better place to bet the tournament than FanDuel Sportsbook. Sign up today by joining FanDuel.com slash KLWB and make every moment more with FanDuel all tournament long. You must be 21 and older and present in Louisiana and permitted parishes only. First online real money wager only. $10 deposit required. Refund issued is non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in 14 days. Restrictions apply. See full terms at FanDuel.com slash sportsbook. And if you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-877-770-STOP. Going deep downfield. He's got a receiver. It's caught. Touchdown, Louisiana. Can't get enough of the vermilion and white? Then you're in luck. Here is the Cajuns Corner with the longtime voice of the Raging Cajuns, Jay Walker, on Crunch Time with Miguez and Mesh. Jay Walker, happy Monday to you, sir. How are you? Happy Monday to you. I'm um, I'm uh, okay. I need a nap, but that's all right. Yeah, you, you need to get one soon because you're not going to have a whole lot of time between now and the end of the week. Yeah, I know. But but you know what? Isn't, this, isn't it wonderful to have that problem? Well, I'm, isn't, I'm, that, you know. isn't that why you do it? Yeah. Yeah, uh, you're absolutely right. That is, uh, that is kind of the idea, is, is to uh, be able to enjoy good things when they happen. And, you know, this is enjoyable. So, Jay, before we get to basketball, I want to get your thoughts on the two out of three wins this weekend for baseball against a pretty good high point team. Uh, Friday was a nice performance. Sunday was a nice performance. And and Saturday was just a little sloppy. But on the weekend as a whole, I I thought the Cajuns played fine. 
Yeah, I thought they were okay, too. High Point, probably a little bit better team than I thought they were. Um, and so I want to give them a little bit of a credit. But, you know, sometimes, and, and we've seen this over and over and over again over the years, that sometimes you get one of those soft-throwing lefties uh, who doesn't get above about 85, 86, but, they, but the, their, their pitches kind of, you know, sign autographs on their way to home plate, and they make you get yourself out with ground balls. And uh, kid that we saw Saturday was at the top of his game, and uh, he cut us up pretty good. But, you know, uh, the, other two, the other two games were fine. I think, this, I think the rules on this pitching staff are starting to get defined. Uh, and I think that's good. It looks like Rocco is starting to sh- uh, starting to get it together, and that's good. Um, so you know, I mean, conference play is going to start this week. It's a busy week this week and next week. And uh, but you know, Tony used to say, um, you know, ten. What is it? Ten before five. Twenty before ten. Well, they're ten and five. So that's they're kind of right on track. Now, look, you talked about pitching. Jake Hammond has been a nice Friday night starter thus far. And then Jackson Nazu has been great on Sundays. But th- this team seems like it's kind of struggling to find a Saturday guy. I know opening weekend they, they tried it out. Blake McGee, he, he got hurt. He's pitching tomorrow night now uh, as his first start back since getting injured. Who, who do you see filling in that Saturday role? I, I'm telling you, I'm, I'm going to disagree with you. I think that Saturday role is, has been decided. You know, Brendan Moody pitched really well on Saturday. He hasn't had a bad outing yet. And, uh, you know, he, uh, he wound up taking a loss uh, in that game, but he didn't get a hell of a lot of support either. No, man, I, I, I like where we are on Friday and Saturday. Now, you know, Nezu's still hitting a lot of bats. Um, he's not walking people, but, uh, but he's – He's given up some hard contact here and there. I thought he was better uh, yesterday. Um, but what you need in a Sunday guy is somebody who'll throw strikes, and he is that guy. Um, is he going to stay there? Is he going to wind up in the midweek? What's going to happen when McGee, he's fully healthy? You know, these are questions that we don't have answered. But, but honestly, Matt, I think Friday and Saturday are locked down. Kyle DeBarge had a great weekend you know, three home runs on the weekend, finally coming out of his shell a little bit offensively. Once he truly gets going, how big of a boost is that offensively for the Cajuns? Well, you know, the the more guys you can get going, the more runs you're going to score. And I don't think this team is scoring runs the way I think they're going to score runs. You know, you still have a, a couple of roles here that are that are still being defined. I think you got your first five or six guys locked in. But you know we're we're seeing uh, we're seeing Matt Degg shuffle that lineup a lot toward the bottom, uh, and some of it has to do with lefty righty combinations. Um, I still think that there are a few jobs that can be uh, that can be won. Uh, but you know if you got those first six going, you know sooner or later the other three are going to follow. Jay Walker joining us here on Crunch Time Five Game Week for Matt Deggs and Company. Now they'll host Jackson State tomorrow before taking a short trip to Biloxi to play Mississippi State and then coming back home to open Sunbelt Conference play against Arkansas State. Arkansas State, rough year last year. Cajuns were able to sweep them up in Jonesboro. Uh, what, what are your thoughts on the week this week for Matt Deggs and Company? Well, you know, they're going to get a challenge on Wednesday. Um, you got to take care of your business on Tuesday. And then, uh, you know, Arkansas State Cajuns swept them last year, but all three of those games were competitive. They were, they were tight games that the Cajuns managed to win. 
Now, this is a team that won only 11 games last year, and they, I think they've already got seven wins this year. Tommy Raffo's a very good coach. Um, he's, he's facing a very difficult situation there because this is, a, this is a program that gets no support at Arkansas State. You know, he's the lowest-paid coach in the league. His facility sucks. Um, he doesn't have much of a re- recruiting budget. And he's been there 14 years because the, the administration understands, look, this guy's a good coach. We're not doing anything for him. We understand we're not doing anything for him. So we're sure as heck not going to fire him. Um, you know, but let me tell you, I, I'm glad we're catching him early because when the, usually when the weather warms up, Arkansas State gets better. So I'm glad we're facing him early. Now, looking at basketball, they're going to play Tennessee on Thursday night in Orlando. That's going to be a very late night for you guys, a 9.40 p.m. tip-off from the Amway Center. But, you know, looking at the discussed potential matchups here for the Cajuns, I don't think they could have drawn a better one. Uh, You know what? Now that I'm doing a little bit more diving into this, I'm not sure I agree. Um Look, Tennessee, Tennessee, first of all, is big. They're a big basketball team. Um, they're long. They defend and defend and, de- and defend. I think what happens with the Tennessee and why people are encouraged about the matchup is the fact that their point guard is out. Um, but they still got a dude um, who, who can shoot the hell out of it. They've still got some guys who make it tough for you to get a shot. They're still a team that's among the nation's leaders in field goal defense and three-point defense. Um, and, and they've got really, really good size to where I think when the game starts, they're going to try to, to, to guard Jordan Brown one-on-one. I'll be interested to see how that works. I don't think this is the greatest matchup. Um, now, that having been said, I, you know, I, I think if the Cajuns do some things well, they're going to have a chance. Let me tell you what concerns me the most. We've seen games where Themis Folks has been really, really good. We've also seen him have games where he's turned it over a lot. Tennessee forces turnovers on 24% of their possessions. That's one of the best marks in college basketball. So that is the matchup that I think is going to concern me until I see that the Cajuns can avoid the turnover bug and that Themis can go ahead and do the, the good things that we've seen him do this year. You know, if you look at the 413 matchups, there's only one that Vegas says is a double-digit game, and it's this one. And I think there's a reason for that, and I think Tennessee's defense is the reason for that. Cajuns are going to have to find a way to make shots from the perimeter, regardless of who's out there. Uh, Jordan is going to have to, you know, be Jordan. But the other thing is, they can't give up second shots. Tennessee is as good an offensive rebounding team as the Cajuns are. So I, I, I don't know that I, I don't know that I love this matchup. And at the same time, um, let's go play because I do think the Cajuns have a shot. Now, is there a matchup in this bracket that you would have preferred? I know some people talked about maybe playing Xavier Duke. And then, and then there was one other one that that's escaping my mind right now. Um, well, I'll tell you, I'll, I'll tell you, when you're a 13 playing a four, there's none of these that make you drool and say, "Oh, we got this." Well, okay? that's fair. I mean, there, there just isn't. All right, um, I, you know, it is what it is. You know, you, you, Tennessee was a four seed, Virginia was a four seed, 
they're very similar to Tennessee, except they're not as big. Uh, but they're they're awfully good defensively. I probably would have preferred Virginia uh, over Tennessee. Uh, but I'll tell you that the, the four seed I didn't want to see was Connecticut. Uh, that would have been a terrible matchup for the Cajuns because the guy who was, you know, thought to be one of the best players in the league in the post, he wanted to move into the power forward spot because they have a freshman, a 7'2 kid, for, <laughs> ironically from my hometown, that is just killing it. And uh, that would have been the, – the, their inside game would have given the Cajuns an awful lot of trouble. I'm glad it's not UConn. Um, but you know what? Like I said, you know, when you're 13, you're going to play a four. Fours have good teams. So let's just uh, – let's go practice hard. Let's get a good game plan together and see if these guys can execute it. Louisiana in the NCAA tournament for the first time since 2014. How – you know, looking at that stretch – between tournament bids or, or just making the tournament in, in general, like we like we said, for the seventh time in school history, how important is that for a coaching staff to, to use as a recruiting tool going forward? Well, I think any time that, that you can tell people that you've been to the NCAA tournament and that, hey, if you come over here, um, you've got a chance to, to bring us back to the NCAA tournament. I mean, obviously that's good. Um I'm going to be interested to see what the Cajuns do, um, you know, after this tournament is over with as far as recruiting that they're going to do. I think they're going to have to, to uh, select selectively uh, get some help from the portal. Um, but, you know, <laughs> making the NCAA tournament sure can't hurt you in recruiting. I can guarantee you that. Jay Walker, the longtime voice of the Cajuns, joining us here on crunch time once again the louisiana raging cajuns traveling to orlando to take on fourth seed of tennessee in a 8 40 p.m contest from the amway center jay walker appreciate your time as always uh safe travels to the happiest place on earth and uh hopefully we can talk to you next week all right let's hear it for happy places thanks for having me go cajuns and there he goes the voice of the cajuns jay walker look Talking about the the matchup with with Tennessee, their bread and butter is their defense. The Cajuns' bread and butter is their offense. Which one is going to prevail? Now look, I know they've got bigs. I know they've got good bigs. But if Jay's right, and they're going to start the game playing Jordan Brown one-on-one, hmm, that's, that's a bold strategy, Cotton. That's a bold strategy, Cotton. That's all, that's all I'm going to say. Look, I understand they're the SEC and the Cajuns are in the Sun Belt and yada, yada, yada. I don't know anybody that can stop Jordan Brown one-on-one. I just don't. I, I can't think of anybody off my head that would be able to shut down Jordan Brown one-on-one in college basketball. Just I, I don't see anybody that could do it. So that's going to be interesting if they do decide to play 1v1 across the board to open the game Thursday night against the Cajuns. But uh, we'll take a time out here and we'll wrap up our number one right after this here on the game. This is Crunch Time on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles. Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. 
We here at the game, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station, know you love our shenanigans both on and off the air, and we want to help you help us. Head to YouTube, subscribe to our channel at The Game Louisiana, click the bell so that you can get notifications when we post our brand new content, and help us get to 1,000 subscribers so that we can bring you even more of our after-work mischief and off-air shenanigans right here at on YouTube at The Game Louisiana. This is Crunch Time. Live from the Evco Development Studios in Upper Lafayette on the game. 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Welcome back to Crunch Time. Don't forget to vote on the poll question of the day. How many brackets are you going to be filling out? Just one? You're going to be filling out two, three, four more? You're just not going to fill out any at all. Surprisingly, none is leading the poll with 40%. I guess there's more people like Ralph than I expected because what Ralph had said was he said he got tired of being humiliated by his coworker who thinks a charge is something on her Amazon card and double dribble is what her son does when he eats applesauce. She picks by mascot and uniforms and kicks his butt every year. So I guess there's more Ralphs out there than I expected. A lot of people are like, I don't want to do it anymore. There's no point. The chance of winning is one in a million. Which I don't get because I don't even fill out brackets to win. I mean, sure, would winning be nice? Of course. I fill out brackets for the same reason that I play fantasy football. It's fun. I fill out brackets the same reason why I play fantasy football. Because it's fun, and I want to get it right, and I want to win. I want to see how right I can get. I so it's like if I if if my whole bracket is bust in the first round, that's infuriating. Because it's like I actually because I would actually be doing research, looking at it, and then I've had that example before, like what Ralph said, where it's like I had like a coworker, or I had a friend, they did it based on the colors, <laughs> or they did it based on the mascot, or it was like. Oh, my, my cousin's friend's boyfriend went to Houston for a semester, so I'm going to pick the Cougars. Like, But you see, here's the thing. It's like, how did you... Well, last, I, I mean, Houston's year. a bad example, but it's like picking teams based on that. It's like, and, and they make it to the Elite Eight, and it's like, that's how far they had them going. It's like, what? Last year's a perfect example. It pissed everyone off when St. Peter's beat Kentucky because their bracket was busted. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, because it was like eighty percent of the brackets were busted because of the, at but that at point. the same time, how cool was it to watch the St. Peter's Fighting Peacocks go all the way to the Elite Eight? I mean, it was cool. It was awesome. I watched every second of every game they played from there on out. But then you're pissed with Kentucky. You're like, what the hell, Kentucky? I had you going to the Final Four. I'm mad. I'm mad about it for a little while, but then I get over it. I mean, yeah, after. After we're two weeks in, you're like, I mean, at this point, I had 30 other teams wrong anyway, so it's... I'll, I'll realize my it's, brackets... It's whatever. I'll realize that my brackets busted on, like, Thursday night, and then... Yeah, but that's the frustration is, that happened the first day. That's March, baby. I know. That's that's March. That's what's infuriating, is like, I, I thought I had this correct. It's, uh, I'd like to at least last one day in the tournament. It's great. I, I love it, and I cannot wait. I'm even going to watch the first four. Tomorrow and Wednesday, the play-in games that people forget that even that they're even broadcasted. 
Um, um, I mean, March Madness is just so much fun. Anybody can take down anybody at any given time. I, I heard an analyst say yesterday, don't be surprised if a 16 or a 15 seed wins in the first round. Meaning a number one or a number two was going to go down this weekend in the first round of the NCAA tournament. Another one that's actually kind of relatable is Tons. I don't generally do brackets, although I made a perfect one last year. Every team was wrong. Honestly, honestly, that takes skill. That really does. That takes skill. That really does. Um, That is quite impressive when you can get every team wrong. Good good for you, Ton. That is... Honestly, Ton, I want you right now to give yourself a pat on the back. I really do. Two pats. One, one at the same time. Go get yourself a milkshake. Little, you little deserve hug. that one. Little hug. Oh, dude, don't talk about milkshakes. I just did. Don't talk about milkshakes. You're gonna make you're gonna make me want a milkshake. Milkshakes. Oh my god. In hour number two, we're gonna hear from Derek Carr, the newest quarterback for the New Orleans Saints, who had his first meal in New Orleans today at Chipotle. South Louisiana. All the food your heart could, could could desire, and you go to a slightly above average Mexican fast food joint. Hey man, you're just, you're just gonna have to teach him the culture, and and he you're paid, gonna have to teach him the culture, and he paid extra for guac. Like, Derek, come on! I know you make thirty seven million dollars a year, but come on, come on, dude, double guac. We're also going to. Talk more about NFL free agency, and Ross Jackson will join us at 5.30 to give us his thoughts on the Derek Carr signing and the few moves the Saints have made over the last couple of days. Right here on Crunch Time, you're listening to The Game, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station, and your home for the LSU Tigers and the World Series champion Houston Astros. We're back after this top-of-the-hour sports update. You're clocked out. We're locked in. You're listening to Crunch Time with Miguez and Mesh here on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Hour number two of Crunch Time is right here on the game, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station. Your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. Matt Miguez, James Mesh, broadcasting live from the Evco Development Studios here in Upper Lafayette. Evco Development is a civil construction company specializing in multifamily construction. The game hotline is 337-706-0111. James Marshawn Lattimore has agreed to restructure his contract, which... If the Saints save the estimated figure that his contract is supposed to free up, the Saints will officially be under the salary cap. Look at that. By a million dollars. Loomisnomics, baby. Is there anybody else that can be restructured to where you maybe free up enough cap space to, I don't know, maybe sign somebody? Could restructure Andrew Speed. Oh, that'd be nice. Because right now, currently, his base is $11 million. If And also, hey, also... Almost 12, it's 11.8. Also, if you restructure him, you might be able to trade him. Maybe. Uh, the dead cap will go even higher. So... Well, okay. No. <laughs> Maybe not. No, his dead cap already is $17 million this year. Holy moly! Mm-hmm. Did you say 17 Mm-hmm. 
And then next year, like, if there was nothing to be changed about Andrews Pete right now, his dead cap, if you were to trade slash cut him, it'd be 16.9 this year. And then in 2024, it'd be 10.4. The base salary for both seasons is 11.8. So this year, you'd go negative five. So you'd go back to over the salary cap. And then next year, you would be good by a million. If you don't change anything. So maybe next year I try to trade him. I, I would say because he becomes a free agent in 2025, I think the Saints, they're going to hold on to Andrews Pete one more year. They're going to restructure oh. it. And you're more likely not going to cut him in twenty in the 2024 offseason. Because, so, then, because then it's less of a dead cap hit on you. Staying on the topic of the New Orleans Saints, Derek Carr is now one. And he held his introductory press conference over the weekend on Saturday in Metairie. And again, we talked about it before the at the end of hour number one. His first meal in New Orleans was Chipotle. That's just terrible, in, in my opinion. But anyways, speaking of also... The getting, man didn't know. The man didn't know. Oh, you can't tell me he didn't know. They spent four hours at Ralph's when he first came in for his free... You can't, you can't tell me the man didn't know. Don't no. Don't. The man, the, he he said, "I've been in California and Vegas my whole life. I don't know anything about New Orleans. I'm gonna have to." All learn I much. know is Chipotle. Chipotle is it was my the first. Life. It was probably the first thing they saw, and they're like, "We know what this is." Oh yeah, Chipotle. Chipotle is my life. So Derek Carr met with the media over the weekend, and he gave his thoughts on. Coming to a new team after so long with one organization. One, it's hard because I love so many people there. Um, you know, and at the, at the same time, it's a breath of fresh air because I get to reinvent myself and really prove it again. You know, I, I, got, I mean, I'd be lying to you, so I didn't have a chip on my shoulder with how everything finished. You know, I didn't plan on or dream of it finishing that way. That's for sure. And, um, you know, when I was told of, you know, why, and I understood the business side of why certain things were happening, all that, I mean, I get it, but... You know, for for me as a competitor, I wanted to finish with my teammates and all that kind of stuff. It, it lit a fire in me um, that I've always had, but it just made it hotter, you know. And it it, it gave me this excitement to it. Okay, I can't wait to get into another building and and show everybody, you know, just what I just what I'm capable of and just what I can do. Nothing I love more than a quarterback with a chip on his shoulder. There's nothing better. That's why you love Tom Brady. Hmm. Mm. Mm. But that. <laughs> I'll have every quarterback with a chip on their shoulder except one. Except Thomas Edward Patrick Brady. Oh, look at you. That guy is annoying. No, I, I don't I don't like Tom Brady. And people are falling for his tweet from last year about coming back for his 23rd year or whatever. And like, oh my God, Tom Brady's coming out of retirement. No, he's not. Read the date. 313-22. It's not three thirteen twenty three. You idiot! Come on, James, don't fail me. This guy, this guy. So Derek Carr continued talking about you know the different reasons as to why he came to New Orleans, the fit, and reaching out to his teammates. But one thing that was really interesting was when Derek Carr talked about his conversation with Drew Brees. 
and how that led him to New Orleans. You know, I, I sent Drew a text, and obviously I won't get into his business on what he said. And I sent him a text, and, you know, it was early in the process. You know, I think it was right after my visit here. And I sent him a text, and he, uh, he actually ended up – we were in Mexico at the time, you know, getting our vacation on. And uh, it wasn't too much of a vacation for me because my mind was spinning. <laughs> um, but he called me, and I had a free afternoon. He called me, and um, I just asked questions, you know, asked questions about the organization, asked questions about, you know, Mickey, uh, Pete. Um, you know, the city, you know, um, everything, you know, the community, all that. And uh, a lot of what he said, um, he answered a lot of questions for me. Um, a lot of what he said um, is probably why I'm sitting here today, you know. Um, when someone you respect so much that you've competed against, and he's one of the, let's, let's not, I mean, I'm not coming here trying to be Drew Brees. You know, that man is a Hall of Fame quarterback. You know, I'm, I'm coming here to be Derek Carr, you know. And... Um, I, I have so much respect for him, though, as a player. You know, I have so much respect for him as a, more as a person and as a dad. I've watched him at the Pro Bowl, you know, sitting there with his kids and the way that his kids admire him and talk about him. And you can tell he's a genuine person. And so a lot of what he had to say was going to carry weight with me. And so um, I won't get into all the details because, you know, some of that was private to him and, and to me. But, you know, a lot of what he said is, you know, probably why I'm sitting here today. Gotta love Drew Brees still recruiting for the Saints. I mean, that's just that's so awesome to to see. And you know, you talk about a guy like Derek Carr, who has really played well throughout his career. I mean, he's averaged close to four thousand yards a season so far in the NFL. He just really wasn't a part of a winning organization, um, and never really had a whole lot of help around him. So I'm very interested to see what he will do in this offense with Michael Thomas, Chris Olave, Alvin Kamara. And uh, he talked about what makes this offense a good fit for him. Yeah, I think just um, just the background of the offense, where it's come from, um, the terminology. Um, it's right. It's, it's, it gets back to what I thought were my most productive and successful years um, uh, in, in that aspect. So the similar concepts. Um, different ways of getting to certain things and, uh, you know, and all that kind of stuff. And so, uh, you know, as soon as they started talking football and particularly on how, you know, how Drew wanted to play and how, how, how that season went, you know, or seasons went when Drew was here and how that style and that kind of stuff, that was intriguing to me that they can do so many different things. No matter who is quarterback, they fit. Like when Taysom plays, they, they fit what Taysom can do. When Andy plays, they fit what Andy can do. When Jameis plays, and all those guys are super talented, but they all do things differently better than others, right? And that's how we all are as humans, you know, especially as quarterbacks. We all have our strengths. And so I think the intriguing thing to me was, like, whoever was playing quarterback that, you know, Pete and the staff was always putting them in the best situation possible for them as a player, you know. Um, because, it, you know, I, I'm not – uh, you know, if we're going to go zone read, you know, 30 times a game, I'm probably not your guy, you know. Uh, but there are some things that I can do really well um, that the Lord has blessed me with um, that I think that, you know, Pete and the offensive staff do a really good job of whatever that is for each individual player. Um, they pull that out of them. James, I want to have a conversation here now that we've heard Derek Carr talk about some of the different things that led him to New Orleans and how he feels he fits. Now knowing what he thinks and knowing that it it appears that Michael Thomas is interested in, in returning to the playing field as a member of the New Orleans Saints, 
How much better, in your opinion, does this offense become with Derek Carr under center? Do you think it's exponentially better? Just a little bit better? So I would say when Drew was running their offense, I mean, it was as efficient as you would hope it could be. But once Drew retired, it, it took a couple steps back. Like, I would say two or three. With Derek coming in, him being familiar with a lot of it, and then even though we dog on Carmichael a lot, I mean, they, like he had said, like Derek Carr said, they usually put their quarterbacks in situations to where they can be as, as successful and as comfortable as they can be. Like, they're willing to mold the offense. Because we've seen offensive coordinators before where they are, like, it's cut dry. This is what the offense is. If you if you can't run it as efficiently as someone else because your skill set is different from what we're trying to do, oh, well, you're just going to have to live with it. Like, the fact that they can do that, I think with Derek Carr coming in, it's going to stay take a step up for sure. It won't be at all at the Drew Brees level, but it's going to be a lot better than what we've seen over the last couple of years. So do we discover this year that Pete Carmichael may be a halfway decent OC? Maybe he's more competent than maybe we we give him credit for. Uh, I'm very. I'm not. I'm not saying that Pete Carmichael is a top five or top ten OC in the league, but depending on how this goes, you'd probably say he's he's probably in the upper half. I want a minimum of five long ball touchdowns this season. Now, when I say long ball, fifty yards or more. Okay, 50 or more. Minimum of five. Because now you've got a quarterback that his entire career, one of the major things that he has been known for is the ability to chunk it down the field. You have Rashid Shahid, who's a deep threat guy. You've got Chris Olave, who can play the deep threat role. If you get a healthy Deontay Hardy, he could do things like that as well. So you're saying at least five 50-yard touchdown passes? Correct. Okay. A minimum. I want five. I'd be ecstatic with more, but I want to see I want to see those big, you know, second half, games tied, back and forth all game long, and you just suck the life out of a defense with a long ball touchdown. That's what I want to see. I miss those games. Because Drew Brees did it a lot when Brandon Cooks was here and you know guys like that i mean you, you remember the game against the raiders when Derek when Brandon the Cooks had that 98 yarder. yard i mean mm-hmm. dude that sucked the life out of oakland they were done question would you still be like let's say it's only like 3 or 4 but there were a lot of times that Derek like, Carr like they had a 40 50 yard bomb but the guy got caught inside the 5 oh that's okay that's okay. That happens. Because, like, it's a long play. It wasn't a touchdown, but it was a big-time bomb that set up a hopeful scoring drive. I want to I want to <laughs> see more airing it out of the football. You're looking that's, for more deep shots because, because if that's the case, then, yeah, we've kind of missed that because Drew, his arm strength bewildered the last couple of years. So there was a lot less that you saw. You saw a lot of screens, a lot of get it out as soon as you can because Drew can't throw the 40 yards. I remember – the last couple of ones that you saw was the one to Emmanuel Sanders down the right mm-hmm. sideline against the Chiefs, 
and the Monday Night Football one against the Chargers, Jared Cook kind of hitting that vertical route, going from right to left. Because you see, what's gonna what's gonna be fantastic to watch is when you throw the deep ball successfully. All that's going to do is open outside running lanes and screen game. Yeah, it opens the short and intermediate game, and then because then they can't commit as much to the box. And then if they know that you can very easily hit those deep shots. And then once that happens, the Saints' offense is humming, mm-hmm. and it, it's going to be so fun to watch because that's that's the thing with what it was with Drew Brees whenever he was with the Saints. They wouldn't hit one necessarily every game, but it's like you would throughout the game you'd be like, "Oh my God, another five yard out route, another hitch route, another like ten and in, like mm-hmm. another screen." Like, "Oh my God, can we throw some deep shots?" And it's like as soon as you least expect it. They're in a cover two, and Drew hits one down the right sideline or hits yeah. Jimmy, Garopp, Jimmy uh, Graham across the middle on the seam, and you're like, oh, my God, there goes a 40-yard bomb. Like It's it's when you least expect it, and that's, and that's what it was. It was a setup to hit the deep shot. It wasn't always – it's not like the Chiefs offense where it's like you're either running a quick one to like get someone out in the flat in space or it's a deep shot every other play. It's it was more of a mind game trying to set it up like here's here's an efficient five here's another three four seven right. twelve right. three oh there's the forty it's gonna be fun uh, I'm definitely looking forward to uh, to watching Derek Carr lead this New Orleans Saints offense and you'll hear more of that press conference throughout the week here on Crunch Time we'll go ahead and take a time out when we return we will recap the Players Championship we'll recap the NASCAR race in Phoenix plus. Hear from Bob Marlin at the selection special last night and his thoughts on the matchup with Tennessee right here on the game. This is Crunch Time on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. Join us for a day of golf and giving at the game's charity Golf Scramble benefiting Redbird Ministries, sponsored by courtesy of Bro Bridge. Hit the links at Farm Alley while supporting a great cause with all proceeds from the tournament going towards Redbird Ministries' mission of serving families who have been given the extraordinary cross to carry the loss of a child. In addition to 18 holes of golf, the day will include great prizes, food, drink, and a great day with the staff at the game and courtesy of Bro Bridge. So gather your friends and colleagues for a fun day on the course next Monday while making a difference in the lives of those in need. Get your foursome together and register now at 1037thegame.com, and together we can make a difference. Let your voice be heard. Hello. Give us a call on the hotline at 337-706-0111 and speak your mind. Hello. This is the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles. Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Welcome back to Crunch Time 521, almost 522 here on your Monday over the weekend was basically the fifth major in golf in the Players' Championship. And I said going into the weekend to look out for one guy named Scotty Scheffler because it seems like he always plays his best golf this time of the year. He won the Masters last year. He's now... Won the Arnold Palmer Invitation. He won the Waste Management Open just a few weeks ago. He's really playing, you know, top notch golf. Well, now he has won his second event 
of the year by winning the Players' Championship with a score of 17 under. 17 under at TPC Sawgrass. Tyrell Hatton at 12 under. Victor Hovland at 10 under. Max Homa was at 8 under. James, I know we talk about how much money there is in in the sport of golf. And we talked about with with the Live Tour how the PGA was going to up purses and and give more money to, to the players in the tournament. Do you know how much money Scotty Scheffler earned by winning the Players' Championship yesterday? Tell me, Matt. $4.5 million. Just another weekend for Scotty Scheffler. (laughs) $4.5 million in a weekend. The man turned pro in 2018. It is now 2023. So four and a half, five years, depending on which part of 2018 he officially turned pro. You know how much money he's earned on the PGA Tour? $34 million. Oh my God. Also, let me throw this little awesome tidbit in. He's my age. He's my age. How you feeling right now, Matt? I wish my parents would have taught me to swing a golf club. A lot earlier than I, I did. Because I'm just saying, maybe I'd have been good. I, I don't need to be Scotty Scheffler good. I don't need to make $32 million. Would it be nice? Of course. But Those $240,000 purses. Right. right. Those, those aren't bad. <laughs> like, in my career, if I've been a pro for four or five years, if I've made a million in those five years, I'd, I'd be okay. I feel good. I'd be all right with myself. I, I mean, I don't need to. I don't need to be winning the players' championship, winning four point five million dollars. I'm not worried about that. I want to be the guy that finished seventy fifth and took home fifty grand. I could go eleven on. I could go eleven over, right? Like that can't be that hard to do. Finished seventy fifth, went eleven over in the tournament, and still took home fifty grand. See that that's that sounds that sounds like the life. Looking at NASCAR, they raced at Phoenix yesterday and it was a very interesting race with just a couple laps to go, people pitted one final time. Most teams only took two tires, including the winner in William Byron. He was able to surge past his teammate Kyle Larson in the overtime session to win the race. The driver of the number 24 won for the first time at Phoenix. It was his sixth win in his career. And now four races in, James, he's got two races. He's got two wins already. Back-to-back weeks. So next week, they go to Atlanta. My early pick for Atlanta, William Byron. He's on a roll right now. He can't be stopped. So until somebody stops him, and if you say Joey Logano, I'm, I'm going to make an ugly face at you. Joey Logano. Don't do that. There you go, simulcast watchers. Yeah, you're going you're gonna to love that. But 
when you get guys that get into modes like that where you just find ways to win, you become very, very dangerous. And I know they revamped Atlanta and it's more of a it's more of a closer to a super speedway than a regular speedway with the with the new banking. I get it. But it's going to be hard to stop William Byron now with the confidence that he has. I mean, you got a guy that has won half the races. He's already secured a spot in the playoffs. Like, he is feeling good about himself. He knows now that he can, all the pressure is off of him. He can just drive. And when a guy can do that, it's dangerous. That is Kyle Larson type stuff from 2020 when he won 10 races and went on to win the championship. Because he won a race early in the year, secured his spot in the playoff, and... The pressure was off, and he was just carefree, did what he had to do to get the job done, and there was no extra pressure, and he went on to win 10 races in the championship. Not saying William Byron's going to win the championship, but I wouldn't be surprised if he has a 4-5 or win season. The guy's good. The guy's really good. Uh, Bob Marlin, another guy that's really good, met with the media over the weekend yesterday at the selection special for the NCAA tournament and talked about how his team will be ready to go for a matchup with Tennessee. They'll be fine. They'll, they'll be excited. They'll be a little bit of nerves early. There always is. Uh, but we've got some experience, Raymond, coming to the, to the tournament. Uh, Jordan Brown's been to Sweet 16 before. He's participated a couple times and uh, also – Terrence Lewis went at North Texas. So we know that it's going to be exciting, but feel like that our guys will be, be relaxed enough to play. We'll have to up take good care of the ball. Tennessee's a great defensive team, and we'll, we'll make, have to make sure we can score the ball. Coach Marlin also talked about the prep work that his coaches did earlier in the week, knowing that more than likely it would be one of four teams that they would be facing in the NCAA tournament. Yeah, I think the coach, assistant coaches have already left, and I'm head of the cage and don't run after this. We've worked for uh, since Tuesday, really Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday. We d- uh, divided up eight or ten teams. So Tennessee was definitely one of the teams. So we, we, we thought it could be Xavier. We thought, thought it could be Virginia, Duke. We've watched all these teams play multiple times. So we'll have a head start on our practice for tomorrow. We'll take a timeout here, and when we return, Ross Jackson, host of Locked on Saints, joins us. We'll talk about Derek Carr's press conference. We'll get Ross's thoughts on the presser. He was there for Locked on Saints. We'll also talk about some of the contract moves the Saints have made today and what could be coming next right here on The Game. This is Crunch Time on The Game, 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles. Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. This March, you got to protect yourself against upsets with Bracket Parlay Insurance on FanDuel Sportsbook. Right now, all customers can get up to $25 back each day if your parlay of three legs or more falls one leg short. I'm going to take Alabama, Houston, 
and Gonzaga to all win their first round matchups. And with a parlay, you can turn a small bet into a slam dunk. And with cash out, you're calling the shots. You can close out your bet whenever you want before the game is over. Just sign in to your FanDuel Sportsbook account or go to FanDuel.com slash KLWB to sign up today. That's FanDuel.com slash KLWB. Make every moment more with FanDuel, America's number one sportsbook. You must be 21 and older and present in Louisiana and permitted parishes only. Bonus issued as non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire seven days after the receipt. Max bonus $25 per day unless otherwise specified. Restrictions apply. See full terms at FanDuel.com slash sportsbook. And if you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-877-770-STOP. Download the free The Game mobile app for Android and Apple devices. No matter where you are in the country, you can listen to The Game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Welcome back to Crunch Time 536 on your Monday. Got a little bit longer left to go in today's Crunch Time. Matt Miguez, James Mesh. The game hotline is 337-706-0111. So again, we talked about Derek Carr being introduced as a saint over the weekend. We even heard a little bit of his post-game press conference. And I've talked about this twice already on this show, but I'm going to say it a third time because it just baffles my mind. Ross Jackson, how is Derek Carr's first meal in New Orleans? Chipotle. Hey, man, look, even he said, you know, look, we sat down and had Chipotle, and then we were like, what are we doing? So, like, even him and his family were like, hold on, wait a second. We're in one of the greatest food cities in the world. We don't need to be doing this. So, you know, I mean, look, he he uh, at least realized the error of his ways in the midst of it. But don't worry, he's going to get himself to hook up on all this food out here. He, he ain't worried about that. And then he paid extra for guac. <laughs> Maybe. I don't know. Maybe he got a veggie bowl. Who knows? So what what are your what were your overall thoughts about what he had to say on Saturday when he was introduced as a saint? Yeah, I mean look, I, I thought that he impressed. He he showed, you know, the leadership that the New Orleans Saints wanted to bring to this locker room and wanted to bring to this team in the first place. And so um I, I thought that he put that on full display. I thought that he also showed you the way that he, you know, wants to help hold the team accountable. I think one of the things that he said that's maybe kinda you know, you know, just kind of something he might have just kind of said off the cuff, but it's just kind of who he is that I think is important is that he mentioned that, like, he's going to call out what needs to be called out. And I know last year there were a lot of question marks about where's the leadership coming from in terms of practice and accountability and things like that. And it sounds very much like Derek Carr's ready to be that person. He certainly was that person in Las Vegas slash Oakland. Um, and he's you know, clearly uh, intended to be that person here in New Orleans as well. And so, you know, when they said that they wanted to bring him in because of his work ethic and leadership being things that they highly valued at the quarterback position, he certainly put that on full display in his 45-minute presser the other day. So when hearing from him, he obviously talked about his conversations that he had with Drew Brees leading, mm-hmm. leading up to becoming a Saint. He also had conversations about his relationship with, or what will be a relationship with Michael Thomas in your opinion Ross do, do you think the off how much better do you think the Saints offense becomes with Derek Carr under center yeah I mean I think that that kind of depends upon what the New Orleans Saints do for the rest of the offseason you know there's still things for them to do like locking up Michael Thomas and getting that contract done keeping him here in New Orleans isn't a done deal just yet although it sounds you know very much like it's heading in a positive direction there 
Um, you know, Chris Olave and Rashid Shaheed look ready to take a step ahead in their second year. Can the offensive line stay healthy? They, you know, they bring back Juwan Johnson, but what's going to happen for them in the backfield with Alvin Kamara's ongoing legal process? So I think that, you know, still what this New Orleans State team can be on the offensive side doesn't just solely fall down to whether it's going to be good or bad because of the fact that Derek Carr is in the building. It's, you know, who does he have to run this offense with and who's going to be running the offense along with him? So uh, I think that, you know, the reason why this offense can be better in 2022 or excuse me 2023 than it was in 2022 is because you're going to build an offense for a quarterback that's going to be there for you for 17 games and you know hasn't had many injury concerns and only missed two uh two games in his career up until the two games that he was uh kind of sat for over the at the end of his tenure with the raiders last season and so uh, i think that's a huge benefit for new orleans to be able to actually build an offense with a quarterback that you know they can expect is going to be there to run that offense all the way through. But their job's far from done here. They still have a lot more to build around and make sure that they have the appropriate you know weapons to put on that field to be able to maximize that offense next year. So now there, there's been talks that Marshawn Lattimore is going through a contract restructure, which would put the Saints under the, the salary cap. Is there anybody else that you see restructuring this offseason to give the Saints maybe even some room to go sign somebody? Yeah, they have a couple of different options here. You know, Marshawn Lattimore, uh, Cam Jordan, and Alvin Kamara were all mentioned today. Uh, Cam Jordan and Marshawn Lattimore, depending upon how they do that restructure, if they add void years, that frees up over $20 million just between the two of them. Um, um, Alvin Kamara, depending upon how his restructure works, they added a void year there. That's about seven and a half million dollars. So that's the thing, just quickly making work and getting rid of twenty-seven and a half million dollars uh, or more, just with those three players. You look at a guy like James Hurst; they could open up another three point four, three point five million dollars with him. Uh, they could look to restructure Andrus Pete. I know a lot of folks are kind of talking about maybe cutting Andrus Pete, but until you have a clear successor there to put on the offensive line. I think that's a little bit premature, and I don't think the Saints really have that right now. Uh, they have James Hurst, but his value in terms of his versatility and being able to be used everywhere on the offensive line is so valuable, I don't think you want to pigeonhole him into just one spot. So you could restructure Andrews Pete's contract, save a bunch of money that way. I think that's over $11 million if they go that route. Um, you know, They can also continue to work on uh, Jameis Winston as well. I mean, Jameis has an offer for a reworked contract that you have to imagine would be a cost-cutting cost measure that he has until Wednesday to make a decision on. Um, you know, they could extend Carl Granderson and save money by keeping him around. They could potentially come to a contract agreement with Marcus Davenport that would save them money by actually keeping him around. Uh, so there's a lot of different routes that the Saints could go here to continue to open up some money to be able to spend here in free agency. But I don't expect them to spend big. I think their big splash was Derek Carr, and after that they're looking at how they're going to be able to adequately fill the roster with guys that fit. Chatting with Ross Jackson here on Crunch Time. You know, you talked about the potential of bringing back Marcus Davenport. How high priority do you think that maybe becomes now that Anyamata and Shai Tuttle and guys on the defensive line departed today? How big of a priority has the defensive line suddenly become? I think the defensive line was you know, a huge priority coming in. Not being able to retain David on Yamada in particular probably heightens that quite a bit, but I don't know that that really impacts everything with Marcus Davenport, who's out on the edge. I mean, Marcus Davenport was losing snaps and losing starting time uh, at the end of the season to Carl Granderson, who the Saints like a lot and has really come along and continued to develop. So I think they're pretty comfortable with you know having 
Cam Jordan and Carl Granderson. They re-signed Tono Passanio earlier on this uh, this offseason. They'll continue to try to work out with uh, Peyton Turner and see where he fits. Jeff Ireland very clear with us at the Senior Bowl. They see him as an edge, not necessarily looking at moving him to the interior. So I, I don't think that Marcus Davenport necessarily, I don't think anything kind of you know, strengthens with Marcus Davenport's opportunities because of how the interior has worked out or not worked out uh, for the Saints and retaining those players over the course of this offseason. But uh, I do think that, that filling out that interior is obviously a huge priority for them. And I don't expect them to wait until the draft to do that. I mean, they might not be able to get guys like Javon Hargrave here who ended up going to the San Francisco 49ers. But, you know, some of these other guys like Puna Ford and, and Ashawn Robinson who can come in and be what the Saints like on the defensive line, which are, you know, big-time run stuffers that can rotate and then go to the draft and continue to fill that spot out. I think that's what you'll you'll start to see here over the course of the coming days. Now, as you kind of shift priority to the free agency and the draft, we, we talked about the defensive side of things. What about the offensive side? Do you see the Saints making any free agency moves to beef up the offense, maybe a running back to back up Alvin Kamara? Yeah, I think running back's a big one. Um, you know, James Robinson, for instance, the New York Jets didn't get his tender picked up on his uh, restricted free agent contract. So, you know, he's a versatile player that, you know, ran for over 1,000 yards just, just three seasons ago, over 700 yards just two seasons ago, added over 300 receiving yards just a few years ago, over 200 receiving yards just two seasons ago as well. Uh, and, you know, was kind of didn't really have a not real opportunity in New York. And so, I, I, you know, I look at him as somebody that could be a good fit for New Orleans. But there's a lot of other guys, too, guys like Alexander Madison, who was formerly with the Minnesota Vikings, uh, Rashad Penny with the Seattle Seahawks, even a guy that hasn't gotten a lot of run but has a lot of talent in Dearness Johnson out of Cleveland, who was kind of stuck behind, you know, Nick Chubb and Kareem Hunt for good reason over there. And, you know, hasn't really gotten many opportunities, but he could be the type of runner that the Saints would want to pair up with Alvin Kamara or a young, versatile rookie where they can go into the draft and, you know, grab a guy like they really wanted to. I guess they can make a move for a guy like Bijan Robinson, although I'm a little bit, yeah, I'm a little bit hesitant about investing first round picks in, in, in running backs. But even in the second round, guys like Jameer Gibbs out of Alabama, they could go a little bit early or they could wait until the third round, maybe get a local guy like Tulane Sajri Spears, who has his pro day here on Thursday. There's a lot of you know ways for them to build out that running back room. It's a really strong free agent market when it comes to running backs, and it's also a really strong draft for running backs. So I think that's obviously a spot. And I wouldn't be surprised to see maybe some familiar faces of Derek Carr showing up here in New Orleans, whether that's a wide receiver like Mac Jones or maybe a tight end like Foster Moreau, who of course you know grew up here in New Orleans, went to LSU, went to you know Jesuit High School here in Mid City, and so I think there's a lot of opportunities for the Saints to continue to bolster that uh, offensive group, but I think offensive line maybe is a big spot to watch in terms of making sure that they have the depth that they need to be able to survive and make it to the season, barring injuries. Any moves today that, that kind of threw you off guard? I know the Falcons beefed up a lot today with, with different picks that they made, but um, you know the, the, Vernon, the Hargrave news to San Francisco on that $84 million deal, what else really stood yeah, out to you huge. about today? Yeah, that was a big one. I mean, that contract, the defensive tackle market, of course, just absolutely inflated. So that means that it's inflating here in day one, might be pretty heavy in day two, but then those other guys that are left after sort of the big signings might see their market deflate. So that's actually uh, something to maybe watch about how that, that market trend eventually turns, as it often does. We've seen that with you know, wide receiver and tight end in the past, safety in the past, things like that. Uh, speaking of safety, I think Jesse Bates, to 
uh, Atlanta. I mean, that's a that's a heck of a signing for Ryan Nielsen over there. You can see how much he valued having a guy that can play over the top and that sort of overhang solo safety spot like Marcus Williams. You go out and you get a guy like Jesse Bates who you know can play a similar role. And so the Atlanta Falcons finally paying attention to their defense uh, after getting two New Orleans Saints in in prominent or former New Orleans Saints in prominent positions: general manager Terry Fontenot and then now Ryan Nielsen, former co-defensive coordinator and defensive line coach. So I think those two really stuck out to me. Um, you know, I think an interesting one is kind of Jimmy Garoppolo as well, landing in Las Vegas to be the uh, heir or the the successor, if you will, to uh, Derek Carr at least for this season. I don't think that the Raiders won't, uh, you know, look at a running look at a quarterback all of a sudden in the draft. So be interested to see how that all plays out for uh, Jimmy Garoppolo over in the other side of the bay as well, or what used to be the other side of the bay now in Vegas. Ross Jackson joining us here, host of Locked on Saints. Ross, what you got coming up this week on Locked on Saints? Oh, just continuing to keep up with everything going on with uh, free agency, continuing to track everything going on with the salary cap as well. You know, it's always an interesting and fun time over the course of the offseason to watch the Saints, you know, befuddle everyone with their salary cap moves and all these other things. And so, you know, just keeping up to date with all that. And then sort of the, the needs, wills, and won'ts of the offseason and free agency in particular. So we'll be looking at the defensive interior uh, really closely in terms of some of those guys that I mentioned in free agency that can help them sort of patch up, or not really patch up, but rebuild that interior defensive line, how Todd Grantham factors into that, how Joe Woods factors into that, and then, of course, with a look at the, uh, the NFL draft as well. That'll be all in tomorrow's episode. Ross Jackson joining us. Ross, appreciate your time as always. Keep killing the game, and uh, we'll talk to you soon. Thank you, brother. Appreciate you. Talk to you here soon. Take care. Stay safe. And there he goes, Ross Jackson, the host of the Locked On Saints podcast. What a what a great guy. What a legend in, in New Orleans sports media. Just absolutely kills the game. We'll take a time out here, wrap up today's show right after this. This is Crunch Time on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles. Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. The monster trucks are coming back to the Cajun Dome with the toughest monster truck tour this Friday and Saturday in the game. 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles has a VIP package. Entering the game rewards club for four tickets, access to the pit area, a merchandise certificate, and lunch with the truck drivers on Friday. The toughest monster truck tour is coming back, and you can win a VIP package courtesy of the game. From the Louisiana Raging Cajuns to the latest with the New Orleans Saints and Pelicans. Miguez and Mesh cover it all. I'm not worried. Uh, I think it's something that I can get under control. Now back to more Crunch Time with Miguez and Mesh here on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles. Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Oh, the discussions that James Mesh brings to the table. This man showed me a video during the break of a guy petting a king cobra. And James goes, look, man, he's super friendly. Excuse me? That's going to be our Migos versus Mesh challenge. (laughs) You win. (laughs) You win. I will take the L right now. I would pet Wally the alligator before I pet a king cobra. Wally's pretty sweet. Mark my words. I would pet an alligator before I petted a king cobra. Unmuzzled. Yes. Nice. Yes. You're talking. Fully grown? Sure. (laughs) Is it? You are talking about a, first of all, 
deathly afraid of snakes. No. Don't ever don't don't put snakes in front of me. No, no. No. My sister used to have snakes. My dad had one. And I wasn't that scared of him. Ball python? No, it was a sand boa, oh. actually. Um and I wasn't that scared of him because he was really nice. Like if you held him, all all you had to do was keep moving your hands. And he would just slither down like to your hand. Mm-hmm. Um, so he was super chill. Super so that like that was fine. But like a king cobra? <laughs> no, no, man. Anything that can bite me and kill me. Mm. No, you can keep that over there. You can keep that over there as long as it's not venomous. Sure. Because the ones that aren't venomous, you'd be more okay with. Probably. What about a constricting one? Yes. That's iffy. That's iffy. Yeah, I thought so. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it could just wrap around me and choke me. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, I'm mm, no, I, I'm not a huge fan of dying before I'm supposed to. You're not a big fan of reptiles. Also true. That is also true. Because I think Komodo dragons are absolutely sweet. Yeah, we can agree to disagree. It's like saying a lizard is awesome. Depending on the lizard. I just... No. Ugh, nope. Nope. Reptiles, not my thing. Mammals, amphibians, we we good. See, and I don't care for, like, frogs. See, frogs interest me. Frogs interest They're me. Especially, weird. especially when they camouflage themselves, they interest me. That's going to do it for today's edition of Crunch Time. want to take this opportunity to thank our guests, Jay Walker and Ross Jackson, for joining us. Come on back tomorrow. James Mesh and I are going to fill out our very own NCAA tournament bracket. We'll give you who's going to be our national champion, in our opinions. And we will also hear more from Derek Carr's press conference today, as well as the introductory press conference for one Mr. Will Wade. We'll do all that tomorrow and much more on Crunch Time. Same time, 4 to 6. Same station, 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles. For James Mesh, I'm Matt Miguez. Be safe, be well, and give a hug to your mom and them. And like I said, we're back tomorrow, 4 to 6, right here on The Game. It's Southwest Louisiana Sports Station and your home for the LSU Tigers and the World Series champion, Houston Astros.